Would You Consider WAP, Wet Ass Pussy, a feminist anthem? Yes. Welcome to the Controversial Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie. This podcast takes deep dives in today's most controversial topics, and today we are talking about the patriarchy, misogyny, feminism, the whole thing. I brought on two amazing guests, the ladies that host the Commie Tea Room Podcast, Carol and Pola, to talk about this subject. They are two incredible, intelligent, beautiful, talented women that I got to switch seats with because a few weeks ago they interviewed me for their podcast. We talked about environmentalism and consumer blaming and how I believe that the green movement is headed in an unsustainable way. It was a great interview. Go check it out and check out their podcast in general. It is linked in the description notes. And if you like this podcast, you're going to like theirs. They try and make uncomfortable conversations a little bit more comfortable. They break it down in a very digestible way. And it's just a really great podcast. Go check it out. And also check out the Patreon. The outline for this episode is available publicly over on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash McKenzie. And it has a bunch of resources that you should definitely read because the amount of information on this subject is infinite. It can go on forever. And while you're checking out the Patreon, you should also consider subscribing. If you enjoy this podcast, you get an additional two episodes per month. The most recent episode was an episode that I got to interview a cop about ACAB and defunding the police. It created a little drama over on my Patreon, so you should go and consider subscribing. You also get access to my Discord, the community. You get to ask questions. There's a bunch of bonus content. It's a really fun place. Go check it out. Now, before we get going, I do have one note for you. At the very end of this interview, we did lose Carol. She just dropped off for some reason. Internet technical problems, but we lost Carol. It wasn't she was just not saying goodbye to you guys. I'm sure she sends her love, but technical issues, she dropped off. Pola closed it out for us. It was perfectly fine, but just so you know, she didn't just disappear. <laughs> now, with that, I am going to stop rambling and let's just dive right in. All right, and welcome to the podcast, the ladies from the Commie Tea Room, an excellent podcast. We have Pola and Carol here today. I actually came on their podcast a few weeks ago, and so I asked them to let us switch the roles, let me interview them. So I'm going to give them both space to introduce themselves, tell you about their podcast, because they are both incredible ladies. All right, who's going first? <laughs> you spoke first, so you can go first. <laughs> I knew I would fall for that trap. Okay, uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Pola. I am a co-host of the Kami Tea Room, Kami Tea Room podcast. You'd think it'd be easier to say since I actually host the thing, but yeah, we talk about uncomfortable conversations, but we try to make them a little bit more fun for you. So Carol and I have been doing that for about a year. Uh, otherwise, I am a policy student currently. I am in my undergrad. I am also a go-go dancer along with Carol. And that's kind of all you need to know about me for now. Avid <laughs> feminist, like cats. That sounded really stereotypical. <laughs> Absolutely, but it's fine. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Slightly uh, opinionated, but I'm sure you'll hear that in this episode. I think what I've called you before is you're a contrarian. Which obviously I don't agree with, but that just oh makes my your point stronger. So. I mean, I think you're in the right spot. This podcast is called The Controversial Dive. You're in you're in the Heck right yeah. room. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the point of our podcast, too. It's the po like having uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Carol, Carol, who are you? <laughs> well, I'm Carol. I'm Carol. I am a go-go dancer, as Pola said. I also, yeah, co-host a podcast with Pola. 
and I'm in the educational industry <laughs> and we'll get more into it later why I can't really say what I exactly do because mm -hmm. there's so much um, restrictions around that particular field so yeah I'm in that industry and I just like being an activist being a contrarian as well and having a really soft voice that gets brought up to me many many times <laughs> which is really annoying so I'm trying to change that and I like eating candied ginger and drinking hot water oh yeah that's my thing the only thing she drinks is hot water I am not drinking hot water to... like not even tea just water no she'll go to a restaurant or to a bar and she'll be like can I have hot water with lemon please Carol are you okay <laughs> no have you not seen the Asian memes they're okay I follow the Asian meme hashtag and they always say like Asian moms 90% water. No, sorry. White moms, 90% water. Asian moms, 90% hot water. I'm not even <laughs> mom yet, but I'm already heading that direction. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but yeah. like, I, I feel like it's mostly tea. Like my Asian partner drinks a lot of tea, you know, but you're just, you're just hot watering it up. Just a cup of hot water. Yeah. Well, like the tea, I feel like dries out my throat even more. I think it's the tannins sometimes and the sugars. So I'll always have to chase it with more. I think it's water. the Carol. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Cause it's a cultural thing. When I was in the Hong Kong airport, the Hong Kong airport, there was literally a sign that said, this is the direction you go for, for hot water. Not cold water, just hot water. And I just oh remember God. felt feeling like I came home. I was like, yes. You're yes. like, my people, this is where I yeah. <laughs> Also, something we should probably mention as well, which is part of the reason why we started our podcast, is that I am a first-generation immigrant. I am from Russia. I'm from Siberia. I moved here when I was eight. So that's where a lot of my perspective comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Carol, she is the child of immigrants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first generation of Hong Kong born parents and we used to always jokingly refer to each other as commies because I was from <laughs> Russia, I'm from China slash Hong Kong yeah. and then at, during our go-go shifts we would always, during these 15 minute breaks while we were sweaty and super exhausted, we'd have these really in-depth conversations. And glittery. <laughs> so we were like, you know, we could do something with this. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that obviously our podcast definitely, if there's a Venn diagram of them, they're they're pretty intersectional there. They're, they're, that's almost a circle. <laughs> you know, we just try and bring uh, a certain lightness to really heavy conversations so that they're easier to be had. Yeah. Because they're important conversations, right? That's, that's kind of the end goal is that they're important things that we don't necessarily talk about. So we need to be talking about them. So here are some tools to talk about them and not such a heavy way <laughs> exactly and mm -hmm. i think that there's never too many uncomfortable conversations there's always topics that need to be talked about yes so you can't just have two people talking about it. You need more people talking about them all the time. All the time. Yeah. It Absolutely. needs to be normalized too. And I love your podcast too because you bring in a lot of interesting guests and you really go deep as your name suggests. And I love all the <laughs> topics you've covered so far. I learned a lot. Thank you. Um, the one on the financial Donna Matrix was really interesting. I think I listened to that one recently while I was driving through the snow-laden streets. <laughs> I was like, my car was getting stuck. I was like, you know what? I'll just put on a podcast. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, that's Alberta for you. Just <laughs> yeah. getting lost somewhere, listening to a podcast. I literally was just listening to your most recent episode. I was trying to finish it up today. I didn't quite finish it, but I'm almost there. Um, and I really enjoyed that you guys were talking about gaslighting because I think it's something that we don't necessarily talk about enough. And also people kind of have the wrong 
under like definition or understanding of what it is and so the more that we discuss it and the more that we're able to like you know break it down and uh, help people address it and so that when people are addressing it to you like hey this is something that I feel like you're doing to me people aren't so like oh my gosh I'm a terrible person you think that I'm terrible it's like no this is something that you might be doing it doesn't mean that you're a bad person it just means that like I like it's something that's hurting me and so we need to like talk about it and fix it and I love that you yeah. guys are trying to like you know make those conversations much easier I love that oh thank, thank you, you. <laughs> yeah um, def yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's a necessary conversation. And I think the minute people have this in their toolkit, it makes relationships so much healthier too. Like you're able to name, when you're able to name the problem, it's just easier to deal with as well. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's also the fact that people always engage in toxic behaviors at some point throughout their life just mm -hmm. based off of their experiences. Everybody engages in those behaviors and does that. And sometimes it's easier to hear about it. Not when someone's directly talking to you about it, but when they're talking about it in like a third person perspective. Yes. And you just recognize those behaviors in yourself mm -hmm. and then you can change that. Mm -hmm. Like you don't necessarily have to be called out. But then when, for example, you hear these conversations on a podcast or you hear these conversations in like mainstream media, TV shows, movies, books, even it just makes it so much easier to see those flaws within yourself. Yes, that's that's so kindly put I love that that it's helps you grow as well because none of us are perfect we've all we all do some things that are toxic every once in a while that we don't quite catch ourselves on and then yeah. later later are like oh oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of my best friends straight up called me out and he was just like Paula you're being toxic right now and I was like oh okay cool thanks yeah <laughs> oh and what was your response like you accepted it you didn't get defensive I did get defensive at first and I was like how am I doing this he explained it to me and I was like okay you know what you have a point yeah mm, that's and a really healthy response too I mean, I suppose. I think it's also um, kind of your friend, like knowing that, you know, he cares about you, that he took the time to explain it to you. That's that's love. That's if somebody's yeah. taking the time to actually explain to you um, how they feel or, or what about um, your actions are, are causing them to feel a certain way. That's always truly yeah. know, honorable. It takes mm -hmm. somebody taking the time to explain it to you is kind. So that's mm -hmm. exactly sweet your friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was different because it wasn't towards him. It was mm. about, like, a yeah. boy problem of mine. <laughs> I forget that you ladies are straight. I hang around so many yeah. gays that I forget that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're boring. Yeah, we're straight. We exist. <laughs> I, like, completely forget. I completely forget. I we get to deal with men who are so mature and awesome. Oh, God. They are, actually. The I right mean, ones are. The right there's, ones are. There's some, there's some. There's a few, maybe. There's a few. <laughs> are you just kind of like, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I always say that my vagina betrays me because <laughs> she does. But my brain says no. The other parts of me, not so much, unfortunately. Yeah. My brain just, I, I, there's something about, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll touch on today, but there's just something about the, like, the entitlement that men have that I'm like, I will step on you. Girl, <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Right now, working part-time at the university bookstore. Yeah. And we have people come in from the athletic department, most of whom are males. And the level of testosterone that hits the room every time that they walk in and just this competitive arrogance, it stuns me every single time. I it's absolutely impossible to deal with. And I look at them and I'm just like, I naturally hate you. Yeah. Like being attracted to your kind is very difficult. Yeah. 
I, I, I feel sorry for you both to be. To <laughs> Thank you. You're <laughs> um, Which I think that kind of brings us perfectly to what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're, we're trying to tackle some big topics. Um, when I asked you, I, like I messaged the Kami Tea Room, I, like I messaged you guys' joint Instagram and I was like, I want to talk to you ladies. What should we talk about that's controversial? The response that I got was like basically how this kind of society um, has made this one side of you that you know enjoys being a go-go dancer, enjoys getting to show off this beautiful person that you are and you get to be very empowered in this thing that you do that people view as sexual. But then if that crosses over into your professional life, that would harm your professional life and how we've created this system where a sexually empowered woman is not taken professionally. And that of course falls into this fourth wave of feminism that we're currently in. Not to say that the other phases have stopped either, but the fourth wave that we're, um, have, that has added to the other wave of this sexual empowerment sort of thing and being viewed as not just a piece of property or a piece of meat and getting to be a complex person that is both intellectual and sexually empowered. And it's a really difficult bridge to cross that we're still building right now. We're not even remotely or halfway across. We're still building the fucking bridge. So <laughs> I, yeah, we're at the foundation yeah. at most. <laughs> yeah, at most, at most. And it's, and it's something that impacts, I think, all the, the three ladies in this room have definitely felt impacted by that energy that is created in this very patriarchal, patriarchal society of not being able to be this empowered being that you desire to be because you're going to be viewed as negative and that's just so horrible and it makes me cringe, makes my skin crawl. I just I hate it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, totally. And what's worse, too, is that people don't think there is a problem. Like, they usually feel like, well, it's not patriarchy. It's not misogyny. Like, they they just say it's something else. It's like, oh, it's just about being professional. Like, you have to keep these things separate. Or these things can't coexist together because they just can't. And I think just refusing the change or entertain the idea of challenging these ideas, these previously set ideals, I think is just really problematic. I think it is problematic. I think it's just also really, it's difficult to challenge these ideas simply because they've been in place for so long that it feels almost like a threat to what you know, mm-hmm. which is why it's so difficult to deconstruct these things because once one thing that you know turns out to be false, then you start to question absolutely everything else, which is the goal, but it feels scary just but because scary. we're human and we don't really like change. Yeah, Change happens to us. It's not something that we necessarily project if you think about it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things like that I've been fortunate to to have experienced is I've typically, you know, I come from a STEM background. Um, I have a bachelor's in science. My main goal in life is to be a conservation scientist, a conservation researcher. That's what I would love to get my PhD in. Like I, I'm, I, I like science. <laughs> I'm a science little nerd. And you know, of course, the scientific field is very patriarchal. It, you're fighting a huge hill of misogyny when you're when you're going on the STEM field, and that goes from representation to the studies that have been done to the the people that are in power. But I have been very fortunate to work with a lot of very powerful women in STEM, so I've gotten to be around people that are that understand what I'm saying when I'm like no I need to be sexually empowered I need to make sure that you know that so that we stop this chain of me of men being entitled to me and we also stop this chain of things like sex being taboo because that is hugely harming us in so many Mm -hmm. degrees that I you know it's hard to even can explain in a sentence how much we are making sex and sex work and sexualized things how we're making them so taboo and so like this thing that 
that you do in the back of an alley or however you want to put that is affecting us to the degree of, you know, still to this day, we're still teaching sex ed in the U.S. that is medically inaccurate. And we're allowing that because we've made sex so taboo. So in order to stop that, we, we as STEM women need to literally stop that. Like we just can't continue. And so I've worked for a lot of women that have understood what I'm saying and have been like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Do it. And I think that's extremely fortunate and extremely privileged of me to have experienced because that's not something that happens for many people. A lot of people will say that. They're like, no, we need to stop. We need to, you know, build, break that, break down that wall. We need to be building better sex communication. And they work for men and men are like, no, no, sweetie. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. And I think that's what's the difference is that your workplace, the dynamic has changed. It's populated by a lot of strong women. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's enabled, it's allowed you to kind of work with this mentality that is more pro-women, pro-feminist. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to change. It has to be like, yeah, it has to start at the top. But Mm -hmm. it just takes, in other industries, in other fields, I think it takes so long. Most of these are dominated by men, like in education, in corporate world, right? All that stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about power. And I think a lot of it is about misunderstanding of being comfortable with your sexuality and being comfortable with sex and bringing sex into the workplace. Mm -hmm. There's this, I feel, I, I don't know if this is true necessarily. It's just an observation of mine that, it almost feels like employers and people in power and like these systems have this tendency of thought that if people are comfortable with their sexuality and sex and all these things, that it will transfer to the workplace and it'll affect the workplace and the workplace will become inappropriate because of that, where that is absolutely not the case. Mm-hmm. It's just about allowing people to be themselves and about allowing people to not feel this shame around it, absolutely. not about bringing it into the workplace whatsoever. Like there's, You can still draw a line of where those actions are quote-unquote appropriate, where you should, you know, time and place, obviously, mm-hmm. but what somebody does on their time off should be what somebody does on their time off, and it's yeah. really unfortunate. Recently, we saw a medical like a first responder having to start an OnlyFans because they just couldn't support their family on what they were making even though they were a first responder during a pandemic and they of course backlash from starting an OnlyFans um, and you know almost lost their job I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not I think the case is still uh, pending if they're to lose their job or not but what that person what that medical first response like they them giving CPR and them doing a sex work have two no thing nothing to do with each other like, uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with each other <laughs> like, like it, it doesn't even translate whatsoever no. into the field it no. doesn't no like their ability to respond to a medical emergency to be ems has nothing to do with if they are making a little side cash because they are sexually empowered like yeah w- what <laughs> it's like it's like that comparison that people make or the statement that people make about homosexual people and locker rooms where they say oh well if i walk into a locker room like i don't I'm not sexually attracted to anyone in there. Mm-hmm. But then if a gay person walks into a locker room, then they'll like they'll target me and like they'll be attracted to me and like they freak out over that. And I feel like it's the same translation where it's like, oh well, they do sex work on the side, so then like that's what they're gonna do in this workplace of being a paramedic. Yeah, no, it's which it, it, it doesn't make no it, it's illogical, it doesn't make any sense, it's not even remotely true and it's offensive on every level. Absolutely. What I found was super frustrating when I was researching for this, a lot of articles um, talking about professional ethics, they would say, I think the headline would start with, 
is there a double standard when it comes to professional ethics? Are women treated differently than men? And they would go and talk about how it could possibly be unfair, but they would always conclude or round it off by saying, you know, if you enter this profession, then you should understand that employers do have these expectations of you, even in your off hours, because it, you know, it impacts your respectability and that impacts your ability to um, command the respect of your clients, your patients, etc. And that's something you need to be mindful of if you enter this line of work. And I just think, like you all were saying earlier, it's such bullshit because, okay. like you said, I think you should trust the professional that you've hired to be able to draw a line between what they do and they're off for hours and they're on hours. Which is absolutely, it's absolutely ridiculous because even if you take a look at politics and all the sex scandals that happen... <laughs> Just yes, you're taking the words out of my mouth. I, can't, I love I it. I can't even actually properly put it into words. I'm going to try. But the <laughs> amount of sex scandals that happen, even though it has a nothing to do with their job, even though they're a political figure, they're a public figure. It has nothing to do with their political abilities. I'm not saying give these people like a pass on these actions or anything, but like there's a difference between their work life and their private life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it'll be even these things that come out about it has nothing to do with them cheating on their spouse or doing anything that's inappropriate. It'll be things that they do consensually with their spouse and mm-hmm. it'll get blown out of proportion because people are just so uncomfortable with the idea of other humans being sexual. Yeah, other people having sex. They're like, yeah. I can have sex, but you, you can't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> I can be kinky. You yeah. can't be kinky. Well, the no, idea no, no. of you being sexual in some way, <laughs> I feel like you'd be a horrible role model for my child. Like, what will my child think that once they know that you do this on the download, that they're going to want to be doing that too? Yeah. I mean, I you know what a great solution would be? Talk to your child. Uh, a, talk to your child about <laughs> these things, make it appropriate. B, maybe don't buy into this media that portrays these things and allow it to affect your decisions mm-hmm. and make your political decisions personal. Mm-hmm. That is one of the biggest issues. Why are you even doing that? Who told you to do that? <laughs> just, just think about it. Would you look at a doctor and say, oh, well, she's not pretty, so I don't want her to give me a life-saving surgery? Some people would, but obviously not us. <laughs> but, like, some people would, but it's not a reasonable response. No. It's completely, completely illogical. No. It makes no sense. And I think that this idea is also very well portrayed in the book, The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Because... In The Handmaid's Tale, Gilead's obviously a very, like, sexually repressed society. You only have sex for the purpose of reproducing. It's this holy thing, blah, blah, blah. But then what it talks about in the book is also this underground belly of people still needing to be sexual. And there's essentially a whorehouse and all these horrible sexual assaults happening because of people repressing their urges. And because of people repressing their nature and because of people repressing this natural thing. Nope. And I just, I just think that they make a really great point about that in that book because... You, you can't just cut that per- part of humanity out. No. It exists. Yeah. And I, like this kind of circles back to the episode that Carol was just talking about, the episode I did with um, a financial dominatrix. Um, they are like an online sex worker. And we talked about decriminalizing versus legalizing sex and or sex work. <laughs> sex, obviously, is legal. Um, decriminalizing versus <laughs> legalizing sex work. Um, and like 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 kind of you just said, like as you're repressing it and making it more criminal to do sex work, you're making it more dangerous for people because having people focus, like people that want to be fighting sex crime, like and I'm talking sex trafficking, sexual violence, like people that want to be fighting those things are now focusing on consenting adults doing sex work because that's a quote-unquote crime right so they're being spread throughout 
thin on that matter, but as you're making it more dangerous and more criminal for people to partake in sex work, people that want to consensually partake in it are being, you know, put into more dangerous situations. So the more that you make a, the, the more that you suppress sexuality in the society, the more dangerous you make it for people all yeah, around. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to point out there's a double standard too. I feel like, Polly, you were saying earlier how politicians, um, they get have sex candles all the time, but it's the male politicians that kind of walk away scot free. Oh yeah, and what like oh, what would yeah. have happened if it was a female politician? Like if that happened to Hillary, I mean they're gonna give her so much flack already. You know, like, how, that would have just I don't even know. She may not even be on the map politically. Yeah. So I just really get angry, upset with that too. Like from a professional standpoint, a female employee posting pictures of herself in a bra top and bottoms dancing. That is seen as so much more egregious compared to a male coworker who does the same t- same thing, goes around topless while fighting Muay Thai. I mean, yeah. 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 Actually, there was a really good point about this made on Twitter. The paramedic that got so much shit for having OnlyFans, mm-hmm. first responder, right? But then there's firefighters who are also mm-hmm. first responders who do calendar shoots yep. half naked yep. to raise money. Yep. How is that fair? This this goes everywhere. Like I, in the scientific field, like one of the first things I learned about from like Aristotle was that like he loved to have orgies. That he like, <laughs> he was like, a, a, he was a, a playa playa. He liked a good devil's threesome. He, he did the whole nine yards. And that was something they like praised about him. They were like, Aristotle was a dog. He oh banged God, everybody. Woo. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. And then they're like, but Marie Curie was, you know, like the one of the most renowned female scientists. And they're like, but she had to be prude. She had to be like a quote-unquote professional it's like oh so we're gonna we're gonna praise aristotle for having orgies but we're gonna make sure that marie curie is approved like what is this narrative that we are pushing that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah i think when everyone anyone's ever pushing like professional ethics i think you have to do the litmus test is like is there the same impact on men because i feel like yeah i do truly believe there's a double standard when we're talking about these things women are just seen in such a different light they're held to such a different standard mm-hmm. And I think in the STEM world, well, women aren't even accredited for their work half the time. So there's that too. Yeah. But yeah, like why this emphasis on respectability? Because in my profession, they argue that if you do something like posting a photo of yourself on vacation while wearing weather appropriate clothing, aka a bikini at the beach, that can be grounds to fire you because if a student finds that and posts it all over the internet, not because you were publicizing it, but because they took the time to look for it because they were out to get you they they would then fire you your board would fire you because they feel like you've lost the respect of your students and now you've lost the ability to properly manage them are you what are you serious are you okay (laughs) (laughs) like why are we tying respectability to this and if you fire women female teachers who are doing this then what are you modeling to your students you're modeling that it is not acceptable for women to be allowed to own their bodies to own their sexuality that's what you're teaching them. Like, mm-hmm. I understand firing someone if they ha- they're they spewing hate speech or if they are racist, because that makes people feel unsafe. But how is sexuality yeah. making people feel unsafe, specifically female sexuality? Yeah. Because I'm sure if, if a man posted a picture at the beach in some board shorts, oh, yeah. that's, that's fine and dandy. But you dare be in a bikini. <laughs> it is weather appropriate. <laughs> You cannot expect me to wear a sweater. Yeah. And I know they'll then say, well, just don't post it then. Like, well, I hate to say it, but social media is an extension of myself these days. It's a form of, you know, how I share my life to the world. 
And I also hate the argument that people make that um, professionals are held to a different standard, like doctors, teachers, first responders. Why? Like when we do that, what are we again? What are what kind of message are we conveying? I understand hold, holding to a standard when it comes to hate and safe spaces for people. But sexuality, why is that something that we're choosing? That Why are we making that the hill we die on? <laughs> And I think it's because for so long, that's all that women were basically tied to was that Mm -hmm. women are pretty and they're sexual beings and like that's what they are good for. Like that was such a strong concept in society for so long. I mean, I am very pretty and a sexual being. Just wanted wanted to put that out there. It was more to me, but I am very pretty and a sexual being. Like, those things are also important to my being. Yeah. Like, this one, Mackenzie, you're really hot. attractive. This conversation, three ridiculously attractive interviewees right now. Yes, absolutely. 100%. But I think it just it's tied to that so strongly, which is such an outdated concept. And we just still haven't transitioned to this new multifaceted concept of a woman that it just, it trickles into everything. And it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I it's mean... so, so easy to be pretty and smart (laughs) I mean yeah that's my goal in life I like say that all the time I'm like all I want to do on the internet is be hot and teach people shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay there's this doctor out there who uh, I think his name is like Dr. Mike or something he makes oh my god I love him please let him marry me (laughs) (laughs) I would be very happy I've heard of him okay so Dr. Mike he's he's a surgeon and he's hot so he makes tiktoks and that's acceptable nobody has penalized him for that that is just fine but then if you do that as a woman you'll get all sorts of backlash it's so much easier for him to do that than it would be for Mackenzie to do that absolutely which is just really unfortunate absolutely and even furthermore I like I get I get kind of a a pass so to speak because I don't do like medical things right like I'm not like a medical professional yeah. um, I'm not like a medical scientist either I'm not doing med- like medical research or research on people in general like what I focus on is the ocean and specifically like coral and invertebrates so I get kind of this pass of people like I'm not necessarily somebody that you would view as like you know (laughs) you're getting your prescription from or whatever which is like a held to a different standard though it shouldn't be it is right so if you were an ophthalmologist yeah if it was if it was anything to do with like people it's a totally different standard if it's yeah once you're talking about you're you're interacting with people that you're researching or you know, doing some sort of thing with people held to a whole different standard. Um, just as like Carol is in like the education field, had, held to a whole different standard. Thanks for you using know. my term. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. The education industry, um, <laughs> amazing. So I like I I get like a kind of a pass that like kind of this weird STEM pass that gets handed out. But there are other female doctor creators where like Dr. Mike has made posts shirtless. That uh, don't 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 take those down. I am not complaining. <laughs> um, <laughs> not by any means. <laughs> not complaining by any means. But Dr. Mike has posted things, you know, at the beach shirtless or like running with his dog or what, all things that, because like, he's a very, very attractive man. And go off, post how attractive you are. I enjoy it. But there have been other female doctor creators who have posted a picture in a bikini or posted them feeling sexy and people are instantly like you know unprofessional you shouldn't be practicing you work with children I wouldn't trust you with my child and it just like the slew of misogynistic disgusting comments just pour in um so you just definitely see this double standard of creators especially in that field and Mm -hmm. how they're held to or what standards they're held to I think it would be nice to because okay I'm not too familiar with Dr. Mike but you both are you know singing his praises I think it would be nice 
if he would use his platform to give space to women, like to expose his fans to women, female creators who are also in the same field, because that would be him using his power, using his privilege, because he has his, definitely his advantage right now, right? I don't know. Has he done that? I, like, I wish I could tell you yes or no. I, I'm, I'm not like fully sure. I know that he has spoken like he has brought women on and I'm has spoken about kind of the double standards. I'm not sure if he's necessarily highlighted women while talking about those issues. I, I, I would have to do a double check on that. But he does, of course, have, you know, white guy privilege, <laughs> which says a lot. <laughs> and I think you can see that a lot in some of the things that he discusses or the points of views that he has. You know, he tries to be understanding, but just as like I'm a, a white person and I can only be so understanding of certain things, he's a white person that can only be so, so understanding of certain things because there's just a certain connect when you don't experience something, right? When like, yeah. like I'm sure that men are hearing us talk about this and they're like, I, I, don't, I don't understand how you experience that it's because you don't experience it you can hear us talking about it and understand that you hear us talking about it understand or have empathy for what we're saying but because you don't necessarily experience it you can't necessarily fully understand it and so that's the same thing that dr mike experiences as a white privileged man creator um you know that sometimes you're like okay dude you you you, you tried so hard i know you did you did a lot of research you just missed it just like a little bit <laughs> yeah. well i just looked him up he is pretty attractive um, yes. And the <laughs> okay, thing is, understatement. <laughs> also, just to point out, none of us here right now are saying, oh, deplatform him because oh, no. he's privileged and white. No, no. no, none of us are saying that. Not a single one. We're just saying that he does have this privilege. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think even he recognizes his privilege. Thing. No, yeah. yeah. We all, like, there's, we all have a, a privilege to a certain extent. I mean, we're <laughs> in an interview on computers talking to each other from yeah. different places. Um, so we're, we, we recognize our privilege. I think that he recognizes his and, and puts and says it enough, you know. Like I said, there is definitely a double standard for creators. And I am lucky enough to get this passed. I'm also lucky enough to have a community of people who see me as a complex person they're like oh she yeah she's hot and she's smart got it got it you know and like I, I surround myself with people like that but you but you know that that's not the majority of the world still right now yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and it takes so much time and effort to have to separate the two like to sep for example separating like our google lives from our other quote-unquote professional lives mm -hmm. the fact that i have to block my instagram right now and make it private and i can't make it public because i am looking for internships or jobs mm -hmm. if somebody saw my social media account saw that i was a go-go dancer do you think they would hire me no and it's just it's this absolutely ridiculous thing because i can't use my beauty in a different field yeah even though it would never apply to the field for which i am looking for internships and jobs in yeah but i can use it in a different multifaceted way to express myself or to experience anything because it devalues me as a professional human being. And that's definitely something I struggle with too. Like mm -hmm. for a really long time, I had my account private as well because of the field I'm in, educational industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after a while, like Paula was saying, when you aren't able to have a public reach or if your profile isn't public, then you have less opportunities. People don't mm -hmm. see you and you, yeah, you, you're just... You know, yeah, you get missed out a lot. And I found that really frustrating. So I eventually now I have my account public, but I'm constantly in a state of fear. Like, for example, I don't have my my name attached to my account. I try to leave a lot of personal details out of it. And I whenever I have a chance, if I can, if I find my colleagues Instagram accounts, I always block them. 
like <laughs> there'll be colleagues that I trust enough that I have told them what I do like the go-go dancing the modeling yeah but I'll go into their friends and then just search for all the other colleagues and block them out to work that's great that's so smart <laughs> um I'll do that same like I've had uh clients find me and I'll just yeah go through all their friends lists block them first and then block that original uh follower too so yeah it's just it's not fun to have to be constantly vigilant and as much as I critique the industry and the backwardness and the double standard, I also am still playing the game because right now my standing isn't super secure. So I, yeah, had to kind of play to their tune. Yeah. I mean, I think we all do to some degree, right? Like I try to to push it through, push it as far as I can, but we still all are part of the society. So we still all still have to conform to some degree, right? And I think that one of the things I wanted to touch on was just kind of how much of a scam that whole thing is, though. Like, the fact that, like, making money doing things that are quote-unquote central, like go go dancing, or I do a lot of, like, boudoir modeling shots and I sell those, right? Like, all those things that help us make ends meet because we are comfortable with ourselves and can do these things and are privileged to do these things, um, you know, they shun it. But then those same people that are shunning it are definitely going home and like typing up Pornhub.com and mm-hmm. watching gay porn. And I'm not mean gay as in gay. I mean gay as in literally fucking gay. You are watching gay porn. <laughs> those are two men that is gay porn. You, <laughs> and they're like, and they're just condemning us for this thing that they also consume and, you know, and jolly their gym too. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can't demand a service and then demean it at the same time. Right? And it's just such a scam. They're like, oh, you you need to struggle through school and you can't pay for it with a little extra help for from something that we also can... Cons- like, wh- what is this scam that you have set up for me? <laughs> yeah, you can restrict us and then not provide us with a solution. And I think touching on something both of you mentioned earlier um, in that society has a real issue with sex work. I don't... I think I read somewhere they don't have an issue with sex work per se. It's the sex workers. It's like the the people, the ambassadors of sex work that they have such an issue with. When, but ironically, they create the demand for it. So <laughs> what do you want us to do about it? Honestly, it's a way of systematic suppression mm-hmm. still Absolutely. into this day. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it, like I said, it ties back to like male entitlement. Like women are still seen as like not even fully... <laughs> fully human. A lot of people that still think women have a specific place in society, that women, you know, need to fill a certain, you know, void, that they need to be in the kitchen or they need to be, you know, obedient. Um, all of these things that women are a property that you get to like, you you own. When you marry a woman, you own her. Like all these things that we have held on to for generations and generations that we're starting to break away from finally they're they are like you said very oppressive and they've created this very toxic field that we need to break break out of and you know it's going to take a lot of long time to break out of it like we have equal pay in the united states since 1963 but we still don't have equal pay the equal pay act came into effect in 1963 but we still don't have equal pay and they think that it's not gonna there's not gonna be actual gender equality for another hundred years so we're still going to be fighting this fight for the 100 years and the fourth wave of feminism that we're in right now of being able to be sexually empowered and partaken professionally and have the same standards as men like men are met to the same standards as us or we're met to the same standards as them like one of the two you got to pick you can't just have it (laughs) one way or the other all those things are going to be 100 years away and it's it seems so daunting when you're this person that's like i'm never going to see the outcome of this like i'm fighting a war that i will never even see the end of 
honestly i had a whole freak out about this the other night i just had this existential crisis where i realized all the things in the world that were wrong and that i could never fix myself and it just sent me into a spiral and i was like okay well what do i do with my life now yeah. and like this is just this is one of them just yeah. my general existence as a female this is what happens this is what my life is bound to be mm-hmm. okay i know this sounds really cheesy but you know when people ask you you know if you had a choice what would you be born again as or what would you come back as and i i think i would still come back as um like if we're going using the binary system as a woman i i know it sucks it really sucks because it just it's like a never-ending fight and one step forward five steps back but i kind of like the struggle like we're scrappy <laughs> is what i'm going at i i like that yeah i don't think i would come back as a man either oh god i would never come back as a man I feel really sorry for them, honestly. <laughs> I really do. Like, just being able to, like, ha- make, like, the fact that women, it's socially acceptable for us to emote and to be very expressive emotionally. I love that. So, I, yeah. I, I, honestly, when men suppress women, men suppress themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say, yeah. I think that one of the things that maybe we should say that, you know, since we're talking about misogyny and the patriarchal system, it's it's not just how it has affected women, it also has affected men, of course. That men affect to the degree of they, their mental health isn't taken seriously. Like, men are just starting to learn about mental health. Like, right now, they're starting to learn that therapy is like something that you guys need. You guys should be in fucking therapy, all of you. All of you. Everybody should par- be in therapy. Use your partner. <laughs> is your therapist like no 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 <laughs> yeah no, don't no, be no. putting your emotional baggage on onto your them. partner no like yeah. that, don't do that like so men are just just starting to learn this stuff right and like and men are definitely affected more by like homelessness if they're homeless they're less likely to be put into a shelter they're most likely to be homeless because of mental health issues and those not being addressed there's a lot that this patriarchal society where men are a certain thing and women are a certain thing also affect them so us breaking out of it is also a a favor to men um you know finding some equality and being able to have these conversations is also something that we should be doing for men and you know as much as i shit on men because you can't punch up let's remember (laughs) that remember that you can't punch up so every man that's like gonna message me misandrous before you put feminazi in my dms (laughs) shut the fuck up (laughs) and know that you can't punch up Um, you get those too hey super fragile all the time all the time time. i'm i'm also like mean to men though because i like i i just think that there's so many men that like don't like still to this day don't necessarily understand their privilege they're like no i'm not and i'm like sir look the fuck around you for a second like all the presidents of the United States, not a single female. Like, yeah, <laughs> even and how Hillary across the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like there's been very, very. There's only one been one female prime minister, and she was what, like, three months in Canada. Like, let's be real. Yeah, like, and she wasn't even elected. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. she was put in there. For, like, yeah, exactly. Like, it, like, look around you for a second. If you really don't think that this that society is patriarchal or misogynistic, then you you have so much to deal with, and we're still dealing with that portion of this movement right of men still being like no it doesn't exist i'm like oh (laughs) yeah and even on smaller scale things that are a part of everyday life that they will never even notice for example speaking over other women in class or in group situations like that happened to me in so many lectures where we would be separated into small groups and my program is i would say about 60 percent male dominated and so i end up I end up being the only girl in the group quite often. And I would say a point and then people would just ignore me. And then later on, a man would say the exact same point and they would get the credit. Or I would just literally be speaking and making a point and somebody interrupts me right in the middle of the sentence before I get to my point. 
and say something else and completely ignore everything I've just said. Sounds like a man. Yeah. And, and what it, I, it happens all the time and it's not something that they'll ever acknowledge. And there is a scientific study that it's just male voices are, they do dominate the conversation, not just because they will talk over women or in any sort of way, but it's just because they will be louder and they're just more easily paid attention to. But it comes down to more than just that. I mean, it's the behavior behind it too. Male voices, like we're like, yes, we use voices to be dominant or submissive and we play into that all the time. Like what voice is your Siri? What voice is your Alexa? All of those are female voices because they're meant to serve you and uh, respond to you properly. Oh, wow. I never even thought about that. <laughs> I've also noticed, like, in my workplace that the male instructors, they just, they get a pass at things. They're, they're always late on deadlines. They always don't really pay attention to details. And yet, I remember there was, like, a group of them I was talking with and they were joking about their work wives. So that's like the whole thing, right? But in this case, their work wives were usually women who were very type A, very organized, and they would feel bad for these male teachers and just do everything for them. And it was brought up because one of their work wives <laughs> went to another school and the friends were asking the, the teacher, like, what are you going to do when your work wife's gone? It's like, I guess I'm going to have to do everything myself. Like, seriously? What do you, what do you mean? You have to do your job? Yeah, and oh like, even with superiors, even within men, they they're just easier on them because they they get to talk about athletics because that's really important to our organization. And I've even noticed how like students respond to male teachers. I feel like there's a, more of an ease, whereas with a female teacher, especially the demographic I'm working with, if you're, like with the boys, they're either yeah they they are either objectifying you or they don't really respect you and then with the girls they just yeah, yeah. They, i don't know whereas men just have that respect and then can lose it which are two very different standing points and like very two like two very different takeoff points because for you you have to struggle to earn the respect of your how do i say this without giving away your profession their sub- subordinates subordinates <laughs> to gain the respect My of your subordinates <laughs> no that's horrible <laughs> but yeah you have to gain the respect of your subordinates whereas with men there's this ease so they have the respect and then they can eventually lose it if they mess up yeah but it's much harder whereas for a woman like if i'm very professional then i'm seen as uptight and a a bitch basically right and Mm -hmm. then if i'm too soft then i'm just seeing like a placemat so yeah there is there's no winning with the students or with the staff no, yeah. yeah well, and this happens in every workplace too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and while, while sorry, I was, no, I was just going to say, while I was researching this, I definitely, one of the things that continually pops up, one of the things that you always see is there's a lot of psychological studies on how um, women being straightforward, um, as you said, is seen as like bitchy and like turn like turns people off, where if men doing the same behavior is seen as like powerful and, you know, commanding. And so there's just like this very much a double standard that, that mm-hmm. I continually saw as far as like body language for women. Women and how that is yeah. viewed differently and yeah. what i've noticed too in a book i lent pola the feminist fight club is that women sorry carol <laughs> no it's okay but anytime anytime when I'm i still back... have the book that's why i'm apologizing <laughs> <laughs> they say that women themselves perpetuate and support these ideas that female or women in power are bitches because i know whenever like when we had a new um female admin the first comment i heard among my female colleagues was oh i wonder if she's gonna be a bitch like that's the first comment that I, you hear not like hey. i wonder if she's gonna like her or if she's gonna be friendly then she's probably gonna be a bitch yeah, yeah. 
like wow okay automatically mm-hmm. automatic. and like I mean I like I said I've worked with a lot of powerful people and I were powerful women um, I've worked with a lot of very very strong women and one of the like people that I worked for was the dean of my um uh, my undergraduate school my university she was the dean of natural science and math and everybody was like she's such a bitch she's like like all of these things and I was like have you actually like spoken to her like <laughs> have you taken time out of your day to be like hey how you doing doctor like uh, how's your day because if you you did I promise you you would learn pretty quickly that yes she is you know direct and and does her job and is a woman in power and strong but she is very kind she is very thoughtful and very understanding and goes above and beyond for her students so to call her a bitch like uh, like where's that coming from exactly yeah Mm. and i think actually i think Grey's anatomy makes a good point about this in terms of flipping this narrative with one of their characters christina yang because at first she's seen as this very heartless very blunt straightforward professional that like like has no social life has no personal life but it wasn't like that at all like that's the initial impression that you get from her yeah but then you learn that she's actually she's very kind she's very caring she puts a lot of thought into what she does etc and i think that those tropes just need to be broken down more in the things that we see in the mainstream Mm -hmm. not even in places that are as private as the workplace or even the home life i want to circle back really quickly to when carol was talking about the teachers like the male teachers not doing their job to their full extent i've noticed this even like what i would call like entry positions for example where i work now there's this thing where you have to essentially careful with the details and you have to pay attention to a lot of things all at once you have to be very detail oriented to be able to do the task correctly and at the end of the day when there's more men working on this project where you have to be so detail oriented and you have to do these little tasks that require so much attention to detail there end up being so many more mistakes and of course a woman will have to go and fix them and nothing will ever get said to them it'll just be brushed under the rug they'll never be corrected for their mistakes and you won't receive the recognition for fixing the mistake no but whereas for me i will maybe make this mistake once or twice during my shift and it'll be pointed out to me and like it'll it'll become it'll become a joke whereas with guys that won't happen and the thing is these mistakes will obviously be pointed out by other women because they're the ones that notice notice this these things yeah i mean yeah women are also uphold this standard absolutely yeah Yeah. we police each other or Mm -hmm. like there are some women who do which is why i think i think we were saying at the very beginning of this podcast that it's kind of changed it's hard to change these ideas these ways of behaving because it's so deeply entrenched it's very familiar but we kind of have to i think if we don't then we're really sabotaging ourselves yeah yeah Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we do some hot take questions for funsies? I mean, um, I could talk about this for hours. But same. <laughs> right? I know. I, this is something that we could just go... Like, There's so much nuance to this. It affects almost every part of our lives that it's a giant subject, but I feel like we've definitely tackled big things that directly affect the women that are in this room, and I yeah. appreciate that a lot. All right. I just want to re... Yeah. Oh, no, go yeah. ahead. I just want to reiterate, though. I, I think it is... Like when I was looking or researching cases of where people have been fired for their social media posts, et cetera, majority for women is just about their vacation photos or whatever. But for men, it's about outbursts at a hockey game or pictures of them holding alcohol. So just wanted to point that difference. Like again, with women, it's about their sexuality and with men, it's about outward, untoward shows of aggression. Yeah, like their actual actions, not just being a person with a body. Yeah, Yeah. not just perceptions. 
I just want to bring that up in case someone says, well, I know of a male employee that was fired. Like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but just yeah. note the circumstances, yeah, was okay? He, was he fired don't, for being Don't, not all men me. Yeah, don't. Mm-hmm. Don't. Oh, my God. Oh. Like, and, okay. There needs to be a t-shirt with that low slogan. And I think, I just want to say, I think we just need to be a little less judgmental towards people in general and especially towards women. And especially in these circumstances of, like, in circumstances of sexuality where you would just automatically judge someone based off of a first glance. Like, for example, if a woman walks into a grocery store in a sports bra and leggings, she will get a dozen dirty looks. One of them will probably be from you. And because if a guy does the same thing and he walks into a grocery store, actually, okay, if a guy walked into a grocery store with leggings and a bra, that would be very <laughs> interesting. But I, mean, I would love that. Same. Yeah. But see, okay, the reaction would be different. But also if a guy walked in in just like running shorts and a muscle tee, nobody would say anything or even question it or bat an eye. Yeah. So I think it's just important to maybe keep it in the back of your head. And maybe the next time that you see something like this, where it makes you uncomfortable, ask yourself why? Yeah. And does it really matter? And are you just judging off of first glance based off of preconceived notions? Because that's most likely what it is. And are you harboring a little bit of misogyny there? A little (laughs) internalized misogyny that you need to dig through? Yeah. Yeah, Unpack that a little bit. That's okay. We all do it. it. Yeah, Yeah. it is. And it's the first step is acceptance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's something that you really have to work against. And like, I definitely am guilty of this as well. Absolutely. But I also, I know. And like, when I think these things, I think to myself, okay, I shouldn't be thinking that. I don't know this person. And this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. If it doesn't affect you. Maybe just don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And I think a good just check-in really is to ask yourself it. if you're feeling, like, say you see a woman in leggings and a sports bra, ask yourself, but I, yeah, like, would I feel the same objection if this was a man? Like, in any situation, honestly, like, if you feel affronted or upset when you see a woman doing something, just ask yourself, if a man was doing that, would I be upset? Yep. That's a perfect, perfect yeah. way to say that. I love that. That's a good checkpoint. It is. Yeah. All right, let's get to these hot button all right, before we, before we hop button question, Thanks. I just want to remind people that if you want to see the outline for this podcast, Carol also added to it. There's a bunch of whole resources on there that I've added, um, some research from the National Health Organization that had, talks about a lot of these nuances, talks about feminism, how it's got its movement, where it's all come from, all of this outlined on the outline. The outline is publicly available on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mackenzie, linked in the description notes. Let's do some fire questions. Um, uh, the first one, my favorite, is would you consider WAP, wet ass pussy, a feminist anthem. Yes. <laughs> and do I need my to elaborate short on that? answer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my short answer is also yes. <laughs> no, I, w- I would love, I would love your elaborations, and I know that you guys have maybe a little bit of a a differing yes. <laughs> All right, Carol, I'm gonna let you elaborate on your yes because that was your short answer (laughs) right and also because I prepared for this one so I kind of (laughs) cheated so I'm just going to read from the outline which you guys have access to so I believe I love the song the lyrics for their emphasis on female sexual pleasure and also give an opportunity for black female artists to have yeah to really use this opportunity to talk about female sexual pleasure and also like they're kind of taking back the power because previously it would be male hip-hop artists or rap artists who talk about this in very degrading terms yeah Mm -hmm. yeah is it enough that what they did with the song is basically beat the men at their own game like whatever the male art rap artists were doing they just did it they just did it more crudely more grossly i just wonder that case we're just still it's just still success that's based on male determined yardstick because that's the standard that's been set by male hip-hop artists i wonder 
would they have been even more successful or would have been more unique or poignant if they had just done a really completely different take. But that's just a question I'm throwing out there. I don't think that invalidates the song. I still think it's a huge cultural moment and I think it's still really important. Absolutely. I think that there can be another song that covers that, that does it in a certain way. I think this was, like you said, trying to take the power of one's own anatomy kind of back where men have rapped about it for generations and generations they've you know rapped about about getting laid about women about their genitalia women really haven't gotten the respect to do that as well and i also think that this song goes to helping destigmatize these things right it's a song that you're playing that you're listening to that you're laughing that you're having a good time and you're destigmatizing the idea of a woman being sexually empowered you're subconsciously kind of grabbing onto the idea that it's okay for a woman to be have bodily autonomy <laughs> also super important for female sexual pleasure to be like yeah in the foreground of any sexual experience yes like usually it's like male-centered and i just for like straight dynamics and i just fucking hate that poor straight women don't. I'm so <laughs> I sorry don't need your pity. You. <laughs> don't you though? <laughs> don't you though? I, so I think bad that Carol's question is all honestly, I think Carol's question is near impossible to answer mm-hmm. simply because the rap field is so dominated by male artists mm-hmm. that I think that this song was actually just like the breaker of the gate, I guess. It was the destruction of the gatekeeping mm-hmm. where it was like, we can also talk about this. And I think that even if roles were reversed and it was a female dominated field, like a female dominated genre, and then men did a song about it like this, that focused more on them in a completely different society, obviously, then I think it would, the circumstances would be the same. So I don't think this is, this can necessarily be measured by the same yardstick, if that yeah. makes any sense. No. I get what you're trying to say, Fuli. Yeah. All, All right, right, next. Right, ready? Okay. Um, I, this one's going to be lovely to hear from some straight women. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you consider or did you feel like Harry Styles wearing a dress, quote unquote, was not what a man is supposed to be doing or uh, weakens what a man, quote unquote, what a man is? Take it away, straight ladies. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, first of all, to break think, this down at a more yeah. simple level, if celebrities can name their kids weird-ass things, they can wear weird-ass dresses. Doesn't matter what gender you are. Doesn't matter if you don't have a gender. It Just do whatever you want. It does not make you any less of anything, period. That's on a very, like, on a very unfeminist level. <laughs> At a feminist level, no, it doesn't. Men can wear dresses. Men can paint their nails, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, I, I definitely don't think there's anything wrong for sure. I guess I'm just a little surprised that there was such a backlash because I I thought we were over it. <laughs> I think there's been so many moments already where celebrities have been, you know, or just people in general have been doing things differently. Like even punks, you know, like a lot of them wear skirts. Um, I guess like I was listening to K-pop, Korean pop for a long time and their pop stars, the boys, they're really into skincare and they wear makeup and they wear, yeah, sometimes skirts resembling clothes so I just I just didn't think it'd be such a big deal anymore yeah (laughs) frankly I was just like oh we're still really upset about this okay (laughs) (laughs) this one's just coming from me I want to know do you as straight women again I'm so sorry um (laughs) do you find that attractive like I as a pansexual person I find men in skirts so attractive for some reason I don't know what it is I don't know if it's like them breaking the patriarchy themselves or like I don't know I don't know what it is but something in my little brain is like yes you are sexy is that something that you guys also feel or or do you still feel like you um, are attracted to like quote-unquote manly men I agree like I feel like men adopting certain 
female typically clothing that female uh, women wear is very attractive but it's not skirts that do it for me it's heels Ooh. when a guy can wear heels and really rock it, i'm like oh yeah yeah <laughs> but so yeah not this you know not my uh not the same poison but i agree with you <laughs> honestly i can't say i've ever been attracted to a man in a skirt but i have found a man in a skirt attractive so it's not the skirt sense. that does it for you but no not necessarily mm-hmm but for me, like, it's also, like, I've I've never seen a man in a skirt in person. And I, I'm only attracted to people in person. Like, to me, like, I can't be like, ooh, like, I'm attracted to that person via picture. We also live in Calgary, Alberta, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to find men in skirts? Uh, no, we find men no. in plaid. The closest we would find is a man in a kilt. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, and there's lots of those. <laughs> Weddings, funerals, yep. Just all the kilts. That's hilarious. That's... I actually do find it hot when I see a guy in a kilt. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but also because it's like, it means, I would think it mean me that they're in touch with their roots, their culture, and I find that really sexy. Mm-hmm. Like when someone's just not like, I'm a fifth generation Canadian. I have no idea where I came from. I'm like, ew, next. <laughs> I'm 5% me. Ukrainian and 5% Italian. Oh my God, me. Me, me, me. <laughs> no, no, I can't see. I am. I'm like all her I'm, out. I'm, I'm. I don't know. I'm like third generation Canadian. I moved. I moved when I was a kid, right? But I'm. I'm definitely my like grandparents' parents immigrated. I don't even know. I don't. Like, I don't know what I am. I'm so boring. I don't know. <laughs> no. I'm like the vanilla. Like they're like, oh yeah. Her. Okay. Well, we would never work out then. <laughs> not vanilla. You are mysterious. That's I'm mysterious. Because you, <laughs> um, you have no idea who the fuck you are. Yeah, no idea what the fuck I have no idea and this one came from the Instagram this last question I think it's one that because we've touched on feminism quite a bit that we should just touch on it's kind of a hefty question but we're going to try and combat it with this last little bit of the interview as we're moving forward with feminism we recognize now some of the leaders right Femi- the first movement of feminism happened back in like the 1960s with the suffrage movement or sorry the uh before that like the 19 the 1800s the late 1800s with the suffrage movement and people like Susan B. Anthony right That's some of the main people that we saw was Susan B. Anthony now we know people like that um had a little bit of <laughs> racial issues um that they weren't necessarily the people that we thought they were or looked up to how do we progress forward with making sure intersectionality is still at the forefront of this breaking the patriarchy feminist movement. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> Told you it was a hefty one. Hefty one. Yeah. It is a hefty one because this could be a whole episode of its own. Mm-hmm. But just give me your, your, your initial thoughts, What how you feel. Well, okay, I think well, kind of what's been happening a lot lately with like, like since Black Lives Matter, there's been like more talk and more people exposed that even the concept of intersectionality, I think that's previously been more of an academic term. Mm-hmm. Um, just like more increased awareness, I think has made people realize like white feminists realize that they need to make space for feminists of other color feminists just like other people in general from different areas from other marginalized groups because that's so integral um to keep feminism moving forwards so i think like just that awareness is really key because mm-hmm. uh, personally for me maybe it's just like my bubble or my circle i am noticing more people talking about interse- intersectionality making room and space for it making it at the forefront um, but I guess maybe I don't really know what that looks like in areas where that's not as touched or as commonplace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess my mind is in two different places right now because, you know, Susan B. Anthony, racism problem. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to discredit that piece of history mm-hmm. based on her views, which we can, that can be argued with, well, uh, George 
Washington was also racist, but mm-hmm. he founded America. But then also you look at that argument, you're like, yeah, well, he also found a completely racist system <laughs> that didn't allow for the progression of colored people yeah. in society. So I guess it's, you can't not acknowledge that part of history and that there was racism still prevalent in that society and that that person was racist. But you also can't necessarily discredit the work she's done because there's still room in this feminist movement that progressed from that for women of color to advance and for there to be a place for women of color. Yeah. Because the movement itself wasn't based on... The movement itself has not developed into this... Maybe on some levels it has, in some streams it has. But as the full movement, it hasn't progressed as this powerful white woman it has progressed for power for all women yeah the strength of all women so it hasn't been nearly as segregated as other issues so it's it's a really complicated topic mm-hmm. absolutely but i i no, yeah, I, I just i do think that there just there does need to be more space for women of color in this feminist movement and yeah. we do need to be helping them more they yeah. do require more assistance because they do have more barriers because they don't have the same privileges as i would yeah yeah and just to I would just like to argue, though, because you're saying um, what Susan B. Anthony did did really pave the way for all women. But I would argue, like, at the very inception, at the very beginning, and okay, this is just what I have gleaned from articles, and I can't quite exactly cite where I read this, but I don't feel like women of color were a focus before. Like, I don't feel like the, the feminists back then were as active necessarily oh definitely women of color so i think that needs to be acknowledged too so yeah yeah. and as you were saying like even now women of color still need a lot of support because yeah they are being impacted in more than one way not just the fact that they're women but the fact that they're of color yeah i think like like pola said i think it's a way of educating of basically being like yes susan b anthony did start this movement and we can give her credit for beginning the suffrage movement and for getting the ball rolling on, you know, women equality and being able to have these conversations. But we also need to look, you know, take it into consideration of a perspective from nowadays is that intersectionality wasn't a part of the feminist movement until like the 1990s. So that's well over a hundred years of the feminist movement being an active thing before we were like, oh yeah, people of color too. You, you're, you're also <laughs> included. Um, Not about you. Yeah, <laughs> like we, we, we yeah. forgot. I totally agree with that. You know, so I think what we need is more education on yes. people of color that have also done the same things as white people. Yes, and, and not actually, gotten the credit for it at all. Yeah, and that have not gotten the credit because mm-hmm. I don't like I don't know of a black feminist woman from the 1920s. You know. Yeah, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm really bad with names. I did a whole episode on how queer women have led um, uh, women's rights movements on the Queer Collective podcast. And I talked mm-hmm. about a woman who was part of the suffrage movement who fought for, um, like, for uh, women's rights to vote, uh, a black woman who fought for women's rights to vote. And she mm-hmm. died before black women had the right to vote because white women had the right to vote first, right? So white women had the yeah. right to vote for a long time. And so she was fighting for that right and then never actually got to vote herself because she died before black women got the right to vote. So yeah. that's that's a real thing that's happened throughout history. And like, I can't even remember her name right now, which is, a, you know, a faux pas for me. That's definitely a, a down for me. Like, But Susan B. Anthony is a name that everybody knows. I say that and everybody knows it. So we need to be mm-hmm. having both levels of education being met. I think that's a brilliant brilliant set or you know answer to that question yeah Yeah, and i think we just i think the job right now is not to try to fix history 
necessarily not to say that those women don't deserve credit we should still know who they are and find out who they are i'm gonna do that after this episode and go do some research but i think that what we need to do now is create a space for these intersectional feminists Mm -hmm. and these women of color to give them their spotlight so that we can see the battle that they fought and so the generations ahead of us can Mm -hmm. see the battle that they fought on these front lines right now because we can't change what happened in the past but we can change what's happening now yeah it's not about fixing the fixing history it's about fixing the way that we teach history yeah right like reframing it because i think for me like someone is of color i wouldn't want susan b anthony's uh racist past to be ignored like i wouldn't want someone just to promote her feminist side because that would be um invalidating in the sense like oh i because then i would be supporting her idolizing her without knowing this piece of information Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah you said no no for sure i think yeah i agree with both of you saying like giving more space for feminists of color and we had a guest on our show uh sarah darcy 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 and she's she was talking about um the difference between feminism and white feminism and how yeah like there there is like a difference in sometimes how feminism plays out and how sometimes in white feminism which is really isn't actually true feminism can overlook the needs of people of color yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's like like turfs like trans radical exclusionary feminist or swerfs sex worker exclusionary radical feminist same thing you know it's what you're doing isn't actually helping the movement like white feminists you're not actually helping helping feminism you're actually holding it back Same, same kind of concept is that you're by being so kind of tunneled with your activism by focusing it on white people and white people only you're actually causing much more issue than we need yeah it's our job to make space for everybody yes absolutely there's room for everyone at the top absolutely well ladies i think that was an incredible incredible interview i am so thankful to have had you here this evening thank you so much for carving out some time for me to let me pick your wonderful wonderful brains um before you guys leave plug your podcast again let them know exactly where they can find it what the instagram is um all of that good stuff tell give us one last little shout out of who you ladies are (laughs) all right yeah (laughs) we always do this paula do you want to go ahead so you can find us on the Kami Tea Room uh, on Instagram. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon, uh, Apple Music. I almost said iTunes, even though I, uh, uh, apparently that's not a thing anymore. Oh. No, that's not. not. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just called Apple Music now. <laughs> oh, I'm an Android user, so I don't know these things. Wow. So, yeah, same here. So yeah, you can find us on all the popular platforms. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on our Podbean page as well. That updates. You can listen to us there. We also have a Twitter account where I come on and I say occasionally witty things. So yeah, you can find us on Instagram if you want to follow us individually. I know Carol posts a bunch of great stuff. I am currently on private, so I don't post that much. I know Carol's tag on Instagram is of millennial. Uh, she happily accepts DMs, etc. You can find all her modeling work, etc. on there. Mine is Russian coffee with a dot between the Russian and the coffee. And yeah, go check out our podcast and keep listening to The Controversial Dive because this podcast is truly amazing. The topics that you choose are just so wonderful. Every time I see you post about it, I'm just blown away. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. That's yeah. so kind. Thank you. No, th- and thank you again for coming. I can't express how much I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you for having us. This was <laughs> such a blast. We haven't gotten to do this in, well, ever. This is our first guest appearance. So. Oh my gosh, I'm Yeah, thank honored. you for giving us the platform yeah, too. I'm we honored. appreciate it. I'm so honored. Well, thank you again, you guys. You're yeah. absolutely incredible.